Praise God. All right, well, we're going to finish up what we've been teaching on the last several weeks this morning on the series entitled Our Hope. And so it's, I've enjoyed it. It's been uh, reminding me of keeping my hopes and dreams alive, keeping my trust in God, even though when things don't look the way I think they should be looking, things haven't manifested yet the way I think they should have manifested. I'm not in life where I... I may have anticipated I would be at this season of life that is so important to keep our hope alive and to keep our hope and our trust in God. Hope is defined from the W.E. Vines Bible Dictionary. It's defined as, as a confident, favorable, confident expectation. So when you think about that, a favorable and a confident expectation concerning the promises of God in our lives. It's, it's really important that, that we continue to nurture our hopes and our dreams and, and to keep them alive. I think I did mention it the first week that I taught on it, that it's not uncommon to hear people talking about developing their love life, that their love walk, you know, loving God and loving other people and, you know, fulfilling the great commandment by loving the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our minds. Say, boy, I really need to work on that. I need to develop that love in my life. You hear people talking about growing strong in their faith, which is a good thing as well, developing their faith, but very seldom do you hear people talking about developing and growing strong in hope. Hope is sort of assumed as, kind of assuming that it's just static, that it's just there or it's not there. Either something's hopeful or, or, or it's hopeless. And like, I have no choice in the matter. But the, the, the truth is, you do have a choice in the matter. Hope is not static. It's something that you need to develop it. You have it in you. It's in your heart. But you, you want to be developing it over life, just over the, over the course of life. Uh, the things that happen, the, the, the experiences that we have in life have a tendency to, uh, you know, one or two things happen to us. Either we take those things that happen in life and, and we make our theology come into alignment with our reality. And what happens is our hopes and our expectations become smaller and smaller until it comes to a point where we're completely hopeless and we're not believing or trusting God for anything. We've, we've, we've stepped out and it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, and so, well, we make some type of excuse for it. And usually the excuse among Christians is it, it must not have been God's will because I desired it, I prayed for it, and I didn't get it. And so sometimes God answers prayer, and sometimes he doesn't answer prayer. It ends up being a theological statement, as if it's a theological statement of truth, and it's not because the Bible tells us that God hears and he answers prayer. And so... But that's how theological statements come up and because we have a tendency to make our theology come into alignment with our life experiences. And that'll get us in trouble. That'll get us to a place of being discouraged. It'll come, come to a place where we are completely hopeless. So what our responsibility is, is we want our reality, we want to bring our reality into a place where it conforms with our theology and our hope, our confident expectation and our, and our hope becomes larger and larger until we can believe God for almost absolutely anything. You know, we just we become confident. We become very hopeful. We do not allow ourselves to become discouraged. And so we need to lay hold of hope and grow in it. I'm thinking of all, everyone in here this morning, myself included, we have ample reasons to give up hope and 
any number of areas of our life. It could be a health issue. It could be a financial issue. It could, it could have to do with relationships. It's just, just a multiple reasons why we become hopeless because we've been what we call, we've been wounded, we've been hurt, uh, we've been disappointed. Just, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would turn out. I read the promise from God's word. I immediately jumped on board with it, and it didn't happen, so apparently it was not God's will. I don't know. I've always been, you know, of the opinion that if things don't turn out the way I thought they would turn out, I'm not one that blames God and thinks, well, it wasn't his will, it wasn't his desire for me. I don't say the word of God is inaccurate. I'm the first one to admit that apparently I misunderstood something. I didn't interpret something correctly. I didn't understand something correctly. I didn't appropriate it properly, but it's not that it wasn't God's will for me to receive an answer to my prayer. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was not God's will not to provide my need. It wasn't that it was not God's will to heal my body. It's so I didn't understand something correctly. It's on, it's on my end. I never would fault the word of God. I would never fault God himself. So I think that's a probably a pretty good posture to be taking. And so let's take a look at hope again this morning, and let's continue to develop it in our lives and grow strong in it, like Abraham grew strong in it. In, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, I'm going to read this to you from the, the New Living Translation, Romans 4 and 18. I think we have it up in the New King James Translation, but uh, look at this one from the New Living. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, the New King James says, contrary to hope, he believed in hope. But here it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. And that's where I want us to get to as, as a body of Christ, as, as, a, as a follower of Christ. We want to come to a place when there's no reason for a hope, we keep hoping, believing, believing. Abraham was believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how, my descend that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. Verse 21 says, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So our hope, we want to, even when there's a, no apparent reason to be hopeful, we, can, we want to come to a place where everything I'm seeing with my, with my physical eyes, everything I'm perceiving with my five physical senses is telling me there's no reason to hope. I want to come to a place that, yes, everything in the physical world is telling me there's no reason to hope, but my Bible, my God, is telling me that I can have hope. I can believe in what was spoken. What did the Lord say? What is God's word saying concerning the situation that I'm feeling is completely hopeless in the natural realm, but in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, what is the kingdom of heaven speaking into this situation? And on that hope, I want to continue to, to uh, grow strong in faith and bring glory to God because I'm believing God. Amen? 
there's a, get this information correct here. There's a Bible website called BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway.com. And they reported that in 20, the year 2018, 2018, based on 2 billion, 2 billion page views, they stated the most popular Bible verse for 2018. Anybody want to take a shot at what it may have been? The most popular Bible verse based on BibleGateway.com upon 2 billion page views. People looked at this in the tune of 2 billion. This was the one that was most frequently looked at. I was a, Obadiah, you got it. <laughs> it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And if you've graduated from the kindergarten or if you graduated from elementary into junior high or from junior high into high school or from high school into college or if you graduated from college or if you've gotten any other type of hallmark or Christian congratulations card, it may have had that verse in it. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that people are looking for hope. People are looking for a reason to have hope. There's so many things that come at us in the course of any given day that we can allow ourselves to become very discouraged. In Proverbs 13, 12, it tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Notice when you have your heart set on something, you're hoping for something, and it doesn't turn out in your timeline. It doesn't turn out, or it hasn't yet turned out the way you think it should have turned out. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It can be very discouraging, but it goes on and tells us, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. When the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So I want to share with you this morning some perspective on Jeremiah 29, 11. Like I said, it's, it's a very familiar verse to many people, and you've, you've probably written this note to someone to encourage them, or like I said, if you've gotten any type of congratulation card, you, you know, you've, you've made it, you've graduated, and, and, and God has a bright future for you, and he has a hope for you, and you know, we can read that and get all excited about it. Oh, things are really going to be good. Things are looking good in my life. You know, it's sort of like a reading a fortune cookie message and thinking, wow, things are really going to be good. I gave up on fortune cookies when the last one I read said something like, uh, he said, inside every old person is a young person wondering what the heck happened. <laughs> and I thought, I just thought that this morning when I looked in the mirror and <laughs> I get the fortune cookie. And he's like, <laughs> what in the heck happened? <laughs> so I don't read those anymore. I've given up hope in fortune cookies, but I don't want to ever give, hope, give up hope in the word of God. So when Jeremiah wrote those words, uh, 29-11, when he wrote those words, he, had been, uh, he was in a season where he was trying unsuccessfully to get Israel to repent of their sin. The nation had uh, become, uh, begun to come under judgment, and the Babylonians had already plundered some of Jerusalem's wealth and had already taken many of the people, including the king, into captivity. 
In this environment, there's a false prophet named Hananiah uh, who was given the people in Jerusalem a very rosy, optimistic forecast, telling them things were going to be great. He was going to, uh, things were going to work out really well and that all their wealth and, 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 and exiles would be returned real soon. Jeremiah, on the other hand, being a godly prophet, he told God's people that because they had been consistently unrepentant, the captivity, that this captivity would continue. This is based on God's word. This captivity, Babylonian captivity that you're in right now would continue for 70 years. They would not be experiencing liberation anytime soon. And those who were captive in Babylon should settle down. They were told that while they were in Babylonian captivity, read the entire chapter of, of 29, they were told to settle down, to build houses, to plant gardens, to procreate, and to continue to be productive and, and, and to increase as a people. That's what they were told to do. Notice, while you're waiting, continue to sow, continue to build, continue to, to increase. Don't just sit back idle while you're waiting for some, whatever it is that you're hoping, that hope of that deliverance, that hope of that breakthrough. We don't just sit idly by and, and wait for it to happen, then everything changes. Like I mentioned with the offering exhortation, the woman was not just supposed to sit by and, and think, well, someday it's going to rain, everything's going to be okay. No, be proactive here and sow some seed so that when the rain comes, you can have a miracle provision grow out of it. So he's telling them to be proactive. Yes, you're in a strange land. Yes, you're under, you're under Babylonian captivity, but, but uh, be busy here and, 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 go, and go about uh, increasing. And so what happens when we read Jeremiah 29, 11 as a standalone verse, like we uh, many times do, you know, we might get the impression that, well, because God loves me, I'm going to have a really good day today because he, he thinks good thoughts about me and he has a bright future for me and there's a hope for me, so things are really going to be good today. They're really going to be good today. And that's we can get that when we, when we extract that verse out of there, we, we can get that. When the original recipients in Babylonian captivity, read Jeremiah 29, 11. And when they heard it, when they read the full message, they might have said, you know what? We're going to be in this captivity for a season. It may be 70 more years before we get out of here, but eventually we're going to see God restore our homeland. Eventually, we're going to see God restore our homeland. That's hope. We're going to see it. Hope is always about the future. Knows if something is manifest, if something, when something is a reality in your life, you no longer hope for it. We shared that with you from Romans chapter 8 a few weeks ago. Hope always has to de is always dealing with the unseen, that which you haven't experienced yet. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you're hoping. And based on the promises of God's word, you continue to hope, you continue to believe. In Romans 15, 4, we're told that through the endurance and comfort of the Scriptures, through the endurance and the comforts of the Scriptures, we may have hope. So there are no hopeless situations. There are only people that have become hopeless over their situations. 
There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have become hopeless concerning or over their situations. I'm going to give you a couple different uh, gospel references for you to, to read in your spare time. Uh, I shouldn't say spare time. Make it a priority to read it. We should never read the Bible in spare time. It should be a, a priority time. Go to work in your spare time. But <laughs> go to school in your spare time. All the kids said amen. <laughs> but in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, in the first nine verses, there's a story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I... He wanted to be healed, and Jesus asked him if he wants to be healed, and he said, you know, whenever I try to get in, someone always gets in before me. But the good news is, he said, whenever I go to get into the water, someone gets in before me. Whenever I endeavor to do this, whenever I endeavor to take the steps to receive my miracle healing, someone gets in before me. Whenever I do this, then the Bible tells us in those verses that this went on for 38 years. Everyone say 38 years. 38 years. So always remember that. For 38 years, he was still trying to be the first one there. There's some type of theory about the first one in the pool would get their miracle healing. So for 38 years, he was still trying to be the first one. We're talking about hope, endurance. In Mark chapter 5, we have the story of the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she didn't get any better, but rather she grew worse and spent all that she had and got worse rather than better. But when she heard about Jesus, she's pressing into the crowd. After 12 years, she had not given up hope. She had not given up hope. So the man at the pool, after 38 years, had not given up hope. The woman, after 12 years of getting weaker and weaker and spent all that she had, still had not given up. In Luke chapter 13, in verse uh, 10 through 17, we have the woman that was bent over with a back issue, and, and Jesus said, ought not this woman who was bound by Satan be loosed, being a covenant child of God, for 18 years. After 18 years, she's still all bound over with, a, with an infirmity, and after 18 years, where did Jesus see this woman and where did he speak to her? In the synagogue. So after 18 years, she still hasn't given up. She's still in the synagogue. Infirmity and all. Infirmity and all. I'll just admit to you, I'm conflicted. I really am. I'm not trying to be cynical or, or anything, but I'm conflicted when people wake up on a Sunday morning and they don't feel well, and they say, well, I'm not going to go to church today. I don't feel well. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go to church when you don't feel well? <laughs> I don't feel well, so I'm going to cancel my doctor's appointment. <laughs> Why would I go to the doctor when I don't feel well? After all, there's going to be at least 12 other people in the same little room sneezing and coughing that don't feel well. And so I should just get in the mix of all that. And I'm being a little bit sarcastic now, but my point being, if you wake up and don't feel well, that's not a reason not to get to church. That is a reason to get yourself under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and get yourself in the anointing of God and get yourself healed. Amen? Amen? Most people 
want to embrace an infirmity as a good excuse not to do what they should do, and that's go worship God. We wake up and don't feel well. Oh, I don't feel well. I can get off school today. Oh, I don't feel well. I don't have to go to work today. Oh, I don't feel well. I don't have to go to church today. But I'm not giving up hope. We're not giving up hope. I just want to share these three stories with you. 38 years, 12 years, and 18 years, and they are still in the mix of things, still believing, still striving after 38 years, believing that they can receive what it is they want to be receiving. Not losing hope, having that favorable and that confident expectation. So don't ever be giving up. Just don't allow yourself to give up. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 4. And we want to look at that verse concerning Abraham. Romans 4. This is speaking of Abraham. Of course, God had, for the background here, God had spoken to Abraham, and he had told Abraham he's going to be a father of many nations. And Abraham said, well, you know, in, in Genesis 15, this is recorded originally, and Abraham said, well, how can it be? I don't even have a son, and my servant is going to be my heir. And God said, no, your servant's not going to be an heir, but you are going to have a child. And he, Abraham went outside the tent. He looked up at the stars, and God told him to count the stars. And he said, that's how many, you know, that's, that's how much this is going to grow. This is going to expand to innumerable as the stars. Innumerable are going to be the people that, that, that come out of this through faith in God. So Abraham, he heard from God, but yet in the natural realm, there was no reason to hope. Verse 18 says, Who contrary to hope in hope believes that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. He said, Pastor Ray, I hear what you're saying about hope. I hear about the... the, the the man at the pool for 38 years. They hear about the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. They hear about the other woman had the infirmity after 18 years, and they're still in the synagogue. They're still pursuing their, they're still pursuing their hopes, their dreams. They haven't given up. They haven't just resigned, saying, well, I guess it's just God's will for me to be bent over with this infirmity. And the other lady saying, well, I guess it's just God's will for me to be sick, to be weak, and to be broke with this issue that I have gone on. The man at the pool after, after after 38 years, you know, you just say, well, I guess it's, you know, this is 37 years gone on 38 years. I'm going to stop trying. I'm going to give up hope. No, none of them have given up hope. And we also are not to give up hope. Abraham is not to give up hope. But when he's hearing the promises of God, you know, he's an old man. He's an old man. And he's trying to think put the pieces again and say, God, how is this going to work? And this just doesn't seem like this is possible at this particular point. But I love what it tells us about Abraham. He said, according, contrary to hope, in hope he believes that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken. Everyone say, according to what was spoken. So if you are going to go contrary to hope, if you are going to be one of those when there is no reason to hope, you still have a hope. When everyone else is telling you it's hopeless, you should give up, you should just resolve, you should cut, cut your cost and run, you should just go on to something new and just give up on that particular dream. You can understand if you have a hope, you have a dream, you have a hope from the Word of God, you have a promise from the Word of God. Abraham decided that when there was no reason to hope, 
hope. He is still going to hope. And that hope was not based on nothing. That hope was not based on a mental thing in his mind, just thinking positive. Just, you know, people say, well, just think positive, be optimistic. Well, that doesn't hurt you anything, but we're, not, we're talking about something more powerful than just being optimistic. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about basing when there's no natural reason to hope, you are still hoping based on what did the Lord say? What did God say concerning this situation? What does, what thus saith the Lord? And, and, and get into the word of God and, and secure yourself in the scriptures according to what was spoken against all hope, believed in hope. And so he became the father of many nations just as it had been said unto him. In verse 19, it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he didn't consider the natural circumstances. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Notice he did not allow his hope to dissipate. He focused on the promise of God. This is what God said. It does not, it does not look possible in the natural. I don't see, I can't see with the natural eye how this is going to happen. But Lord, open up my eyes to a new wonder, to a new grace, to a new, um, just to a new amazement. I can trust in you. I can have hope because of you. The circumstances look hopeless. The health reports makes everything be hopeless. The financial statements make everything appear hopeless. The relational, the, this relationship looks hopeless. But what was it that Abraham believed? Was there something special about what he was able to do? Was he able to just muster up optimism and, and think positive? Well, he may have been an optimistic person, but ultimately what he did is he believed what God said. He believed what God said. And you may be wrestling with that at this very moment, saying, Pastor Ray, that's too simple. I did believe what God said. That's why I had hope, and that's why I prayed, and that's why I took that step in that direction. That's why I sowed that financial seed. I thought, well, if God's going to bless me abundantly, I'm going to go ahead and sow. And so I sowed, and, and nothing happened. Or I took this step and nothing happened. Or I, I believed God for uh, this relationship and, and, and it didn't happen. And I believe God for this miracle provision and it didn't happen. Now you're telling me I, can, I need to continue to believe. You need to continue to believe what God has said. And you need to continue to believe in the principles of God's word. His promises are yes, and they are amen. When we pray according to the will of God, he hears and he answers prayer. We need to believe in that. Will it come on the, the, the exact timetable that you think it may be coming on? Uh, maybe not. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But I want to tell you, you don't give up hope. You don't give up hope favorable, confident expectation over time. And over time, you will see it come to pass. From the time God heard from, from the time that Abram heard from God until, until Isaac was born, it was 25 years. Now, I know this microwave generation today, you don't want to hear about a 38-year waiting period. You don't want to hear about 12 years. You don't want to hear about 18 years. You don't want to hear about 25 years. 
but we don't give up hope. I mean, what good is it if you give up hope? Where's that going to get you? It's not going to get you to where you want to be. It'll get you discouraged. So don't give up. Refuse to give up. Everything's screaming at me. It's not going to happen. You will not see it. I still have hope. I'm hoping. I am hoping. And when you continue to hope, your faith has something to go to work for. So Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. What was it that Abraham believed? What was it that Abraham believed? And the simplest answer for that is he believed God's word. Read Genesis chapter 12, where God appeared to Abraham. Read uh, Romans 14, just read it over and over again and about the promises and Abraham's response to the promises of God and, and how they, and come to the end of the chapter, you find out it didn't just have to do with Abraham, it had to do with you and me as well. The promises, Abraham believed the promises of God's covenant promises. He believed that when God spoke and when we discover what Abraham believed, we too can choose to believe it and to walk in the same blessings that Abraham walked in. Galatians 3.29 tells us that if we are Christ and we are Abraham's seed and we are heirs according to the promises of God. So we want to continue to believe, learn what Abraham believed. Well, what did he believe? He believed the promises of God's word. When Abraham walked with God and through him walking and through walking with God, Abraham came to believe that there would be a supernatural birth concerning Isaac. And he believed that that was a type and a shadow of the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ. And that came to pass. Abraham believed that this son, that this son of a supernatural birth would be offered up. But not no problem, no problem to offer him up because if he offers him up, God would raise him again from the dead. And God offered up Jesus. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And when God did that because Abraham offered up his son Isaac, and right before that, God supernaturally provided a ram. But Abraham believed, this is stuff Abraham believed. And he had hope in God. None of it looked in the natural like it was going to turn out very well. But it all turned out real well, real well. Abraham also believed that God would provide a sacrifice substitute or raise his son from the dead that many children come, with many children coming to him through his son Isaac. And God did that. It's recorded Genesis 22, verses 11 and 12. What's God asking of you and me today? He's asking us to believe the same thing Abraham believed. And to sum it up, he asks us to believe that Christ, the Son of God, has entered into covenant with God the Father on our behalf and that Jesus is now our mediator of a new and a better covenant. We have every reason in the world to be hopeful and to never give up hope because the covenant and the promises of God to us are yes and amen, and they're not based on our performance. They're based on the performance of Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life as the Lamb of God, went to Calvary's cross, shed his blood, entered into covenant with God. 
See, the commandment to Abraham was to walk uprightly before me all the days of your life. That was fulfilled through Jesus. That wasn't fulfilled through Abraham. Abraham didn't do everything just right. He made some mistakes. But Jesus, the seed of Abraham, made no mistakes. He did everything just right. Abraham believed that. And we are now, we are now covenant children of God because of Jesus Christ, the covenant, and, and when I speak of covenant, I'm speaking of what God has promised to you and to me. And the covenant promises of God's word, the promises of, our, of the fullness of our redemption, the promises of our protection, the promises of God providing, the promises of him leading us, guiding us, directing us, the promises of him never leaving us nor forsaking us, the promises that he is our healer, that he's our provider. Those promises are all in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. They're not based on whether you did dotted every I and crossed every T. And thank God it's not based on me, it's not based on you, but because of Jesus Christ, we can have hope because we can believe the promises because Jesus Christ did not fail, will never fail. Therefore, the promises will never fail and I'll never give up hope even though it's been 10 years, it's been 12 years, it's been 25 years, it's been so many years. I looked into the, this old man looked into the mirror and thought, my gosh, there's a young man in there looking at me and it still hasn't come to pass. But it will come to pass. That young man in me, that man of vision, that man of strength, that man of vitality, it's still coming to pass. The hopes and dreams and aspirations, the fullness of what I'm seeing in the realm of faith will come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God for it. You can be hopeful. You can be hopeful. Look at your neighbor and say, be hopeful. Amen. Continue to be hopeful all the days of your life. And this is something we have to remind ourselves of. And one of the best ways to do that, I'm going to close with this, and I'm going to give you this verse, Romans 15 and 4. One of the best things you can do for yourself concerning the promises of God is spend time in the Word of God. Be, become acquainted with the promises, the context of the promises. The context of the promises. So you don't get this false hope of thinking, well, if I do this, immediately I'm going to receive this, or if I do this, next week this is going to happen, or whatever it may be. Keep it in proper context. And you'll learn that by verse 4 of Romans 15. It says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning. So I'm going to make this personal. For whatever things were written before were written for my learning that I, through the patience and comfort of scriptures, might have hope. So your doctor's report completely wiped out your hope. Your financial statements are completely wiping out your hope. Stop looking at it and get into the word of God. Get into the word of God. Whatever was written before was written that I might have hope through the patience the word patient there means endurance. 38 years, 12 years, 18 years, 25 years. How many days, how many weeks, how many months? It could be a nanosecond for all I know. Praise God if it is. But these times of endurance through faith and patience, through faith and endurance, we receive the promises of Almighty God. Get into the word of God. Get into the word of God, number one. And then number two, verse 13. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So that ache, that pain, that discomfort, that financial stress, it's been lingering, it's been lingering, it's been lingering, and your mind is starting to tell you, and your body is starting to tell you, get used to it, live with it, it's a new reality, it's a new norm. Don't ever let someone tell you that's a new norm for your body. You keep your hope in God. You keep your hope in Jesus as your Savior, your healer, your provider, in Jesus' name. And believe God that through the comfort and the endurance of Scripture, you might have hope. And that the Holy Spirit is going to continue to cause you to abound. Everyone say, abound in hope. Now, when you're abounding in hope, that's not pessimistic. That's not being pessimistic. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you probably won't see it. So go on to something else. (laughs) But you have hope. Right now, everyone in here this morning that you say, I needed this concerning my physical health from my body. I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. Concerning health in your body, you've given up hope. It could be something minor. It could be something major. It doesn't matter. Let's not give up hope. Matter of fact, sometimes when we apply our faith and our hope to the minor aches and pains, it helps us develop greater faith for larger things that come at us. There's nothing wrong with standing and saying, well, gee, that means you've given up. No, you haven't given up. You're here today. You're here today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as an act of faith and obedience, as these people are standing in your presence, declaring that they are believing you, Father, and that circumstances have started to override what they're believing for. As it was said of Abraham, when there was no reason to hope, he hoped. For the people that are standing have started to develop reasons for giving up hope because of what they're seeing, what they're feeling and experiencing. But I come against all of that right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, through the patience endurance and the comfort of scripture and through the power of the Holy Spirit may each one abound in a fresh hope in a new revelation open up our eyes to an awesome wonder of your goodness your mercy your healing covenant promises be manifest in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth name above all names thank you Lord God for stirring up stirring up, birthing forth new hope concerning the health and healing of our physical bodies in the name of Jesus, name above all names. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Finances, you're concerned about finances and you're giving up hope that you're going to reach your goals and your dreams. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. If you've been struggling in that area, wrestling with getting discouraged and and losing hope, stand up. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, that you provide our every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Father, when we look at natural circumstances and when bills sometimes can be mounting higher than the income, things can become very discouraging and we can begin to lose hope at the promises of God, your promises to, concerning our, our well-being and your provision in our lives and, and causing us to abound in every good work. And we want to be abounding, but we don't see ourselves abounding. We're not experiencing abounding financially. Father, I lift that situation up to you right now in Jesus' name, and I ask you for a fresh perspective to, in, to just overwhelm every person. Believe in you right now, Father, for reconciliation concerning finances in Jesus' name. Lord God, for, for the sowing, they've, they've been giving of their tithes and their offerings and, and haven't been seeing the fruit of it, and they're getting frustrated with them. Some may even have drawn back on it. Lord, I'm just asking you for fresh insight. Open up the eyes of our hearts. Open up the eyes of our understanding. And Father, birth forth, spring forth new hope in the name of Jesus, name above all names, that we not become discouraged, but we keep our eyes on the prize in Jesus' name, name above all names. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we give you honor and we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. We serve an awesome God. He's a good God. He's a good God. Amen. Amen. Don't ever... Allow yourself to become discouraged. I'm not saying it's wrong to feel discouraged. Just don't allow it to override you to the fact that you are now hopeless. You are now hopeless. God's a good God. I want to share this with you. Just be seated. I'm going to share this with you I, real quickly. For those of you, you know, you know that uh, my first wife passed away. Then Nancy and I got married when I was, how old was I, 41, 42, something like that. And, uh, you know, you have certain financial goals in life. You're going to be at certain places by a certain time. One of them, of course, is that you have your kids raised and out of college and so forth by the time you're 50 or whatever. Well, here I am, 42, and I'm, I'm, I'm fathering two more children. So, Megan, yeah, thank God. What will life be without them, right? But uh, sometimes I'd have that thought, what was I thinking? And then the Lord would remind me that you weren't thinking. <laughs> my, my point being, fast forward, all of a sudden I find myself in my 60s and having two kids in college. And I have certain, you know, financial goals, thinking you'd be at certain places by a certain time and so forth. But we believe God, and we purposely we're going to believe God to, you know, help the kids get through school, and we don't want the kids coming out of college with debt and so forth. And so that's happening and is happening. We're seeing that become a reality. The kids would tell you they suffered for it because we'd say, no, we're not going to do that. We're saving for college. Our goal is to get you through school without any debt so you can come out. You won't have any debt. And uh, one day they'll be very thankful for that. But, but right now they're probably complaining to you, well, we weren't allowed to do that. We didn't go here. We didn't do that. But anyway, I'm making a short story long, and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> My point being, we had a goal that we're going to get you through school, and I have a, 
driving a car, a 2008 with 150,000 miles on it, thinking, well, praise God, it's a really good car. It's really running fine, and it's just going to, we're going to believe God that this car is going to run really well for another couple years. And when the uh, next year, Tyler graduates this, this year, and next year when Megan graduates, then that next year, rather than college tuition, I, as a old man with a young person living inside of me, <laughs> I can get myself a nice car. I'm going to treat myself with a nice car. Now that's my hope. That's my dream. Amen. Sound reasonable? Yeah. Well, last summer, I had someone come up to me and say, how would you like this BMW? I said, how would I like a BMW? I think I would like it. Well, I think the Lord wants me to give it to you at a very, very, very reduced price. I mean, it's practically, the whole thing was practically a gift, but we gave a gifting kind towards it. But. So the kids aren't even done with school yet, and I have my 2016 BMW with only 23,000 miles on it. Amen? Hope. Hope. Hoping for that, dreaming for that. God's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can even expect. He's done beyond that. And I thank God for it. Amen? Amen. And so right after I got it, I had someone came new, new came to the church, wanted to have lunch with me to find out more about the church, the vision of the church. And I get in my BMW, I go to the restaurant, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know this person. What if this person does not believe in prosperity? What if this person doesn't believe that pastors should be driving BMWs? <laughs> and so I parked at the back of the restaurant. Went in the restaurant, had lunch with this person, had a nice time for lunch, and came out of the restaurant, and I'm watching to see what car he's going into. <laughs> and would you believe that he walks out of the restaurant, gets over into his BMW, <laughs> and you know what the Holy Spirit told me? I got in my car, and the Holy Spirit said, it's okay, enjoy it, enjoy it. So enjoy God's goodness. Stay hopeful. Stay optimistic. God's a good God. He really wants the best for all of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So God bless you. I want to encourage you with that. Keep your head up. Keep your hope up. And open up. Allow the Lord to open up your eyes to wonder. Let him do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or imagine. So college is paid for. My car is paid for. And you better watch out, folks. After next year, I may be scarce. <laughs> so, so anyway, <laughs> I have no plans of becoming scarce anytime soon. We love you. If you need any prayer, if you, ever, if you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have some people who would love to meet you up here and pray with you, introduce you to Christ, or to set themselves in agreement with you. Enjoy your day. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Invite some people to come back with you. We're going to start a series called Quest. We're in quest for the wisdom of God to live life skillfully. God bless you.